Well, friends, we've been apart for some time, so we had some great opportunity to hear some other people. Are we short of notes? Anybody need notes? Anybody like to take notes? There's some printed copies. If you just raise your hand, they'll let you know. It'd be a great time to tell you about our app. We have an app where the notes are actually there, and all you do is click the blank, and it fills it in for you. So if you, uh, if you like technology, you might want to download our app and use that. But by all means, we encourage you to take notes. Friends, we are close to wrapping up the book of Romans. Somebody give me an amen. We've been in Romans for such a long time, and your pastor is kind of hyperactivity and has to take breaks because my uh, attention span is not so long. And so instead of going right through the book, we, we, we've done chunks of it, and then I've had to do other series and then come back to Romans. But I do see the hardship in that. It's hard to kind of maintain the flow of Romans. So just to remind you where we've been with Romans, Paul, in the first um, 12, six, is it six? Uh, now I'm confused. I think it's the first six and then there's a break and then there's a new kind of a section. But in all, this is Paul's diatribe. This is his life's work in explaining the gospel to both Jewish people and the Gentiles. How Jesus was sent to save all. Everybody say all. all. Remember, we're saved by grace not race. doesn't matter what family you were born into. Religious, not religious. One religion or another. doesn't matter what family you're born into. What matters is have you come to faith through Jesus Christ? Have you asked Him to forgive your sins and come into your life as your Savior and Lord? Have you stepped into the waters of baptism and said to the world, I'm with Jesus. These are what Paul is talking about in Romans. And then some practical living comes out. Um, let me just quickly do some recap and then we'll pray and jump into today's message. So where are we today? Well, let's take a look where we were last message in Romans. The last message in Romans, we were speaking in Romans 13. Two key verses out of that chapter, verse 8 and verse 14. Let me just read them for you. If you want to open a gadget or open your Bible or use a Bible in one of the seats, the racks underneath the seats, I'm just going to read these two verses out of Romans 13. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves has fulfilled the law. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of your flesh. So where were we? We were finishing a section where Paul was saying about living out your faith. And in living out your faith, the key element's going to be love. Love other people. More than you love yourself, more than you love your preferences, more than you love uh, getting your way, love other people. And there's some difficult people. Amen? There's, there's people in politics. There's people at work. There's people at home even. There's people in the neighborhood. There's people on 75. There's people who are hard to love. Oh, and yet Paul is telling us through all these chapters, the key element is to put to death your flesh and love other people more than you love yourself. The word flesh in Romans is a specific Greek word, uh, sarx, S-A-R-X. I love that word, sarx. And Paul is continually remind us that your flesh, your sarks, your, your living desires things. And we all have desires. We all have wishes. We all have preferences. It's not wrong that we have them. 
But Paul constantly is reminding us, do not live to just gratify the sarks. If you live every day to gratify self, you cannot love. Because what is the opposite of love? Not hate. Selfishness. Selfishness. The opposite of love is selfishness. You cannot love others unless you empty yourself and serve. So we are talking about that, and that's important for you to know because today, today we're in Romans 14. happens to be my favorite chapter in all of Romans, and it's huge. Everybody say huge. huge. Now you got to do huge. Ready? One, two, three. Huge. huge theological truths to minimize little church squabbles. Everybody say little. We need to remember that there are going to be things that we don't agree on. They're, they're going to be things. We all don't have the same preferences. We all don't have the same desires. And so when we come together in a community, by the way, coming together in a community automatically means sacrifice. You are giving up some of yourself in order to be together. So love has to win the day. So Paul's going to give us some huge theological truths to minimize little church squabbles. Today's big idea is build up, don't trip up, Let's pray. Would you pray with me? I forgot what I do here. What? It's been four weeks. I am out of the practice here. Oh, would you, you need to say this prayer. If you would be willing to, would you say this prayer? God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. Just give that prayer to God. God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. And God, we pray that you would be glorified, everyone hearing this would be edified, and that Satan would be horrified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you believe I forgot that? I can't Julie asked me yesterday, she's like, you haven't been in the pulpit for four weeks. Are you sure you're... I'm like, I got this. I got this. I got up here and I went, I don't got this. <laughs> oh. Romans 14. Turn there with me. Let's get ready to talk about this chapter that deals with a very hard subject, the hard subject of Christian liberty. Paul deals with this classic issue of Christian liberty, and he doesn't really do what you think he would do. He makes it harder. (laughs) It's interesting as I read this, he gives away his opinion, but he makes sure that after he gives his opinion... He gives some huge theological truths. And I kind of feel like that as your pastor today. There's probably no way I'm going to get off of this stage without you knowing where I stand on some issues. And that's okay. We have to apply the salve of grace even to our opinions. And so I encourage you today as we listen to this to kind of pick up on the huge theological truths that Paul gives us because it goes back to that word love. Everybody say love. Let's see how good Oakwood is. We have a definition of love around here. So love is selfless, willing sacrifice for the good of another person even when they don't deserve it and not 
You didn't do too bad. Good job, church. Let's say it together now. Ready? Love is the selfless, willing sacrifice for the good of another person, even when they don't deserve it and not expecting anything in return. That's love. And love is what makes us do things we don't prefer. We're going to talk about Christian liberty today and things you might prefer or things that you might allow And other people might disagree with you. Already this morning, I've already put you to work. Um, I've revealed my tattoo and said, here it is. Some of you might not like tattoos. I understand that. Some of you might be offended that your pastor has tattoos. This is not my first one, by the way. It's the only one you can see. And I shared with you why I got this tattoo. My, My great friend, Brian Spencer, who always wrote this word, And I don't know about you, but I go through life every day and there's problems. And I have it right in front of me now to remember the blessings. We're so blessed. There's so many things that we don't like in life. But all in all, we are so blessed. It used to be an old song, count your blessings. Name them one by one. And I had a worship pastor when I was a little kid. He never liked that that saying, when we sang it at our church, he'd said, we're changing the words, church. Let's count our blessings. Name them ton by ton. Our blessings don't come one by one. They come in tons. We are so blessed. But they're a little thing. Little. Little things that separate us. Some of you are like, that pastor's nuts. He rides a Harley. He has tattoos. What do we got going on here? It might not be your preference, and you might even have biblical reasons. You might, you know, look at that passage in the Old Testament that told the people not to mark themselves, and it was specifically talking about marking themselves with the gods of the foreign people around them. It had nothing to do with tattoos, but you might disagree, and that's okay, as long as we can apply the salve of love. And there are lots of other things that we have to put up with, aren't there? because of love. I wrote down some things when I was dating this beautiful girl. She she made me go to a ballet in Grand Rapids. It was around Christmas time. I won't mention the name of the ballet, but if I told you the name, if I told you the name, you would understand that they gave it the name because that's how it feels. (laughs) It's... It's something that I don't prefer. I don't like going to ballets. It seemed like it was a forever ballet. But you know what? I went, and you know why I went? Because I was dating a beautiful girl who became my wife. And I'll sit through a ballet because of love. Love does strange things to us, doesn't it? Shopping. I, I don't love to shop. I, I shop, and I, I like to shop when I'm shopping, but when I go with my beautiful bride, it's different shopping. I think most men in here would agree that we are gathers and hunters, and we are go in, find what you want, and get out, right? My wife tells me every time I go somewhere, when I come back, she's like, man, you're fast. Because I know what I'm getting, I know where it's at, I go get it, I win. Woo! When I go shopping with my wife, it's a great thing. I love to do it because I get to share experience with her. But she likes to just, yeah, browse. 
eyebrows. She likes to look. She likes options. My wife loves options. So she's got to look at everything. And after we've looked at everything, we're still not going to buy anything because there might be something else out there. That means we have to go shopping again. Love. We do this because of love. Food. Have you ever eaten anything because the person you love made it for you? Josh, remember yesterday? My wife made us shrimp skewers and she put them on couscous. You guys know what couscous is? I do now. Couscous with shrimp. And I love my son. My son's not as, as old and wise as I am. She put it on the table and he goes, Is this it? Where's the food? And I'm like, oh, son. <laughs> Trying to kick him under the table. Like, we'll go to eat afterward. Just hush. Go. <laughs> Just hush. Eat the couscous. <laughs> Food. And then I was just on vacation, and I realized that, uh, have you ever sat around a fire pit with your family? I think, man, I, I'm supposed to be vacation. I'm supposed to be relaxing, and yet I've got to gather the wood, get the kindling, Light this fire. Tend this fire. Watch my mother-in-law because she's so dangerous. My mother-in-law gets near the fire pit and she wants to touch it. She has to move things. And I didn't even know. I turned for a second and she threw a chunk this big of birch bark. And birch bark goes poof! And it throws black ash everywhere, burning the chairs and the clothing that we're wearing. And I'm like, ah! Have you ever done a fire and, and little children, or even better, middle schoolers? Have you ever tried to roast marshmallows on a fire with middle schoolers? It's a life and death situation. You tell them, be careful, don't hurt anybody. But immediately they get that marshmallow on fire, on a stick, and then they do this. <laughs> to put it out, they sling it. You know it's going to hit somebody in the eyeball. It's, it's and I thought about all these things. There's just a list of things. There's a litany of things that we put up with. And it's because of love. Everybody say love. love. Love makes us do things we don't prefer. Amen? So why should we think it's any different in the community of the church? We're going to have to honor one another above ourselves and put to death the sarks that shouts, give me, give me, give me what I want. So there's little disagreements. I want to read the passage and you can pick up on them. Uh, Romans 14, I want to read the whole thing, 1 through 23. Stay with me. Romans 14, accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows him to eat everything or anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servants? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us live for ourselves alone. 
and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that He might be the Lord of both the living and the dead. Verse 10, you then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? For we all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of your brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you're no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good to be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and a mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. And this is the key verse. Verse 22. So whatever you believe about these things... Keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves, but whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because their eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. What a huge teaching to help deal with little squabbles. Here's the little disagreements Paul brings up. Certain days... He mentions certain days. There's festivals. And, you know, there are Christians today. I, several years ago, many, many, many years ago, and the family's no longer here, but um, they came to me and had a, a, a couple of really big issues. Um, one of them was the American flag. Uh, we, we had the American flag and the Christian flag on stage. And, um, and Awana, when we had Awana clubs, we started each night with the Pledge of Allegiance. And and this family, God bless them, you know, be convinced in your own minds, but they didn't believe that we should celebrate uh, birthdays and holidays and things like that. That was worldly. And they didn't think that we should be forcing uh, Americanism on, on our kids. And they didn't like that aspect of it. They didn't stay long, but <laughs> they had a different opinion. They had a different opinion. In this passage, Paul says, some of you consider some days more special than the others. And he even talks about the Sabbath there. All oh, the church has had squabbles over things like the Sabbath day for years. When I was growing up, Sunday was a day, you know, boy, you weren't supposed to do anything, you know. And, and uh, as kids, we wanted to play ball. We wanted to play. And the afternoon on Sundays in the summer was great, but mm, that was a little scary. You know, I was always amazed that we had these big rules about Sunday, but we always went out to eat after church and made somebody else serve us. 
You know, they had to work. And I was always finding the inconsistencies of, of rules, right? Rules. Some people consider certain days more holy than others. Some don't. Some of you might get worked up about what we do around Christmas or what we do around Easter because, whoa, those are the really holy... Yeah, I mean, they represent some incredible things, but you do know Jesus wasn't crucified in... Or Jesus wasn't born in December, right? While the shepherds were in the fields. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> we celebrated in December, and it's good to mark the date, but it probably didn't happen in December. But we love a Christmas, and we love our Easter, and boy, we get really religious about certain days. Paul talks about certain days in Galatians 4. He said, you are observing special days and months and seasons and year. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. That's some harsh talk there. Paul's like, you're not listening to anything I've said. I've tried to teach you love others, love others, love others. Don't come telling us you've got to do it my way. Because that's what the people in the church would do that cause little squabbles. You do it my way. Do it the way I think. Well, not all of us think the same. He follows that up in Colossians. He talks about special days in 2, verse 16 and 17. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to religious festival, new moon, celebration, or Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Listen, at Oakwood, we speak Jesus. And we talk about Jesus. And whether we meet at 9 and 11 or 10 or at 6 o'clock at night at Oxford Centennial Park, I mean, I have a different opinion about these things. I don't think they're sacrosanct. I don't think you have to meet at a certain time of the day of the week. And COVID was awful. I've I've said this many times from this stage. COVID was awful. But we made decisions as best we could with what we had. You might have different opinions, and that's okay. Be fully convinced in your own mind of your opinion. But then do verse 22. Keep it between you and God. Because love says, I don't always get my way. These are huge teachings over little squabbles. Certain foods. Paul uses meat. He throws in wine every once in a while in this passage. But he uses meat because obviously in the church there are Jewish people and there are Gentile people. The Jewish people, before Jesus came, Jewish people had rules. There's no barbecue. No barbecue. Barbecue bad. Oh, what a terrible life. You know? But you know what? Peter saw the a sheet coming down from heaven and there was all sorts of things in it that God declared good now. And oh, it had to be so hard to have rules and, and you had to follow the, and all of a sudden now everything is Christian liberty. It's freedom. You could choose to partake. Some couldn't choose to partake. Some had been taught their whole life, do not eat barbecue. And now they're saying, come have pork? I don't think so. And if you had that your whole life and you can't get over it because it's been so indelled in your mind, well, then that's your conviction. You better live by it because to go ahead and eat when you have a conviction would be sin. But it's not sin for everybody. What did I tell you when I started this message? Paul makes this hard. It would have been great if Paul said, hey, listen, y'all, quit being stupid. Eat me. Uh, it would have been great. 
Hey, listen, everybody. The Bible's not a dry book. The first miracle Jesus did was make good wine. <laughs> I'm stepping on toes, sorry. It would have been good if Paul said, let loose. He doesn't. This is what you need to hear me say today. Christianity is not a free-for-all. Christianity is a band of brothers and sisters who sacrifice for one another. And so no matter how we think about issues, and there are plenty of issues, we must apply the salve of grace. 1 Corinthians 10.31 So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. When it comes to Christian liberty issues, music preferences, there's so many things. Do it to the glory of God. And if it's controversial, keep it between God and you. You don't have to fix everybody. You don't have to go around correcting everybody and tell everybody that you're the only person who has it right, so you better do it my way. That's not love. I'm just going to be honest. That's not love. So the little disagreements, but here's the huge truth. So, okay, Paul, how are you going to fix this? Like I said, Paul, why didn't you just give your opinion? He does, by the way. Did you hear him a couple of times? Everything is clean. <laughs> I think everything's clean, you know. And he, he, he makes it very clear where he falls in this opinion, but he also then follows it up with love. And his first thing he gives, the first theological truth about how to live with different opinions is verse 5. Be fully convinced in your own mind. Well, thanks, Paul. Is that really helpful? Is it helpful to us? I mean, it, it seems like it would have been easier if he just said, here's how it is, thus saith the Lord. These things are fine, these things are not, and I'll go on and live and do exactly that. No, he doesn't say that. He actually says, be fully convinced in your own mind. Well, what does that do? That usually leads to arguments, amen? Yeah, if you're fully convinced in your mind, but I'm fully convinced in my mind and we don't agree, somebody's wrong. That's how we live, right? And Paul says... It's very hard, guys. Be convinced in your own mind. You better know where you stand on these things and don't enter into them lightly, the, the Christian liberty issues. Don't just say, oh, whatever. And, and No, no. Give us some great thought. Look into Scripture. Find out whatever you can do that would bring glory to God and then live that way. But then allow the space for your brothers and sisters to do something a little different. Why? Because of love. Well, well, Pastor Don, this is impossible because some people are going to get away with stuff. <laughs> some people are going to get away with stuff. Well, he, he gives us the next truth in verse 12. You will give an account of yourself to God. So be fully convinced in your mind how you ought to live and realize you will answer to God for it. That's the truth. And then verse 22 is the sealing deal of this whole thing. Keep your thoughts between yourself and God. You don't have to convince everybody that your way is the only way. Matter of fact, you need to understand that just because you have a preference doesn't make it God's preference. Can I say that again? Just because you have a preference, even a strongly held preference, doesn't mean it's God's preference. Be careful. In the 70s and 80s and 90s, I think we got off the rails because pastors tried 
and to help their people live godly lives. And so a lot of pastors got up in the pulpit or got on the stand and said, these things are wrong, thus saith the Lord, even if the Lord didn't say it thus. Don't go to movies. I I didn't see that in here, but don't go to movies. Movie theaters are bad. And yet we always rented the VHS eight weeks later, right? The same movie. The same movie we weren't allowed to see. Now we could see because it's on a VHS in our own home. You know, the whole thing of you can't go to movies because people might think you're going to see that R-rated movie and they don't know. Well, then go into, remember those videos? Remember the VHS stores? Remember those? Remember you used to go in Blockbuster? Remember Blockbuster? Yeah, Christians could go in Blockbuster for somehow it was sanctified to be in there with all the R-rated movies, you know, not worry about what people thought of that. But we had rules because a pastor would say, don't do that. Don't wear blue jeans. They're worldly. Don't play pool. That's worldly. Don't dance. (laughs) Don't listen to rock music or country or rap or anything else but hymns. A lot of preferences there, guys. And I I don't know where you stand on some of those. You can have your own thoughts on those. We all know that Geno's East is the best deep dish pizza in Chicago. Amen? Amen? Everybody with me on... Yeah, I always use... That's my go-to when I talk about Christian liberty, right? We don't agree on lots of things. And so Paul is not, he doesn't, he doesn't fix it. Do you see what he did here? He didn't fix it by saying, I'll tell you, everybody do it my way. He doesn't. You know what he actually does here? He defers to the people who don't do it his way. Do you see that in this whole passage? He already stated he thinks all things are clean. He talked about life and death. And by the way, Jesus says, why are you party poopers when I'm with you? I'm alive. I'm going to be dead someday. While I'm here, let's eat and drink. You know, he, he, Jesus is like, life, live life. I've come to you, might have life and have it to its full. But Paul says, I think all things are clean. I can enjoy barbecue. Woohoo! And how he applies the salve, he says to people, and if you think everything is clean and your brother does not, don't put it in their face. Paul (laughs) really pushes it by giving his opinion because he's like, some of y'all eat meat, some of you eat only vegetables. And then he goes on to say, those who only eat vegetables are the weak believer. I'm glad Margaret's on vacation. I love Margaret. I love Margaret. Margaret Popolek teaches clean eating and God bless her. I know it's good for, I mean, God bless. She is healthier than me by far, but I like bacon. <laughs> I can't help it. And, and here's Paul. I mean, Paul's like me. Don't you see? Can you read the passage and think, my goodness, Paul would have a tattoo today. He's one of those guys. But he loves people. So he says, I think all things are clean. I'm going to eat meat. However, we have a church function, and as my brothers and sisters are offended by that, I'm eating vegetables that day. That's what Paul said. I'm going to be with my brothers and sisters, and I love them more than I love meat. So it's celery today because my brothers and sisters. Do you see, do you see the beauty? The beauty of this passage. Those are the huge th- So what should I do? Here's, here's how I can live this out, and then we'll be done. I should not trip up others. I should not trip up others. 
Verse 13, he says, never put a stumbling block or pitfall in the way of your brother or sister. Don't do it. Then he goes on to say, do not destroy someone for whom Jesus died. They're important. People who disagree with you are bought by the blood of Jesus. Amen? And, And the Bible says, Paul said, they'll be able to stand. Even if you disagree, they'll be able to stand because Christ makes them stand. Why? They're all under the blood. It's all under the blood, people. Everything's under the blood of Jesus. And there's going to be some people who agree and some people who disagree. We're all going to get to heaven and we're all under the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen. I don't think there's going to be two lines. These people were wrong about stuff. These people were right about stuff. I think we're all going to be in a big pit and we're all going to learn that we were wrong about a lot of stuff. But amen, we're going to be there. Amen, under the blood. Under the blood. Don't destroy. It's not worth it. I don't want to make this all about alcohol, but again, I point out, I kind of agree with Paul that all things are clean and there's freedom. However, the Bible teaches, don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. And there's other principles too you got to apply. Don't be mastered by anything. I agree with the pastors in the 70s and 80s who said drinking is a sin. Why? Because they wanted their people not to get caught in a trap that could hurt them. And it was easier just to give a rule than to take them through a principle of self-control. It's easier just to give you a bunch of rules and have you just blindly follow than it is to teach you the biblical way of self-control and love. And don't be mastered by anything, but all things are clear and clean. What? Wow. So difficult. So I should not trip others up. Verse 21, it's a good thing to abstain for the sake of your brother or sister. So uh, I've shared this story before. When I first got here as your pastor, we were talking about a men's event. We were going to go away on a camping trip. And I remember one of the guys said, who's bringing the beer? And I said, let's not do that. I don't have anything against beer. And what you do is between you and God. Baptists make a big deal about drinking and they all hide it. (laughs) I love being a Baptist pastor and going through Myers and finding people in my church at the beer aisle. Oh, you should see them. They do great things. I, I've seen people with beer in their carts that go to the church and they're, they're covering it. They're putting like toilet paper, like five things hiding the beer when they see me coming down the aisle. Oh my goodness. I was talking to a pastor in Grand Rapids the other day and they we our, everybody in our church, everybody, not just workers, not just leaders, everybody that comes into our church has to sign a statement of Christian living that we will never drink and we will never do. And I said, you make them sign that? He said, yeah, we make everyone. I said, you make them lie? He's like, what? You're making them lie. They're not all doing that. The Bible says, though, it's a good thing to abstain for the sake of your brother and sister. While I have nothing against beer, I want to tell you, as a pastor of this church, you don't know which of your brothers and sisters has gone through a struggle, a life and death struggle, or their father or grandfather has died because of alcoholism. And the danger of alcohol doesn't need to be extolled today. You understand that some people just are... are, are consumed and and die it's a terrible thing it's easier to say nobody drink right because you cannot become an alcoholic if you never take your first drink anybody give me an amen on that if you never take your first drink you can never become an alcoholic so i see the logic there 
However, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches each one should be fully convinced in their own minds and keep it between yourself and the Lord. And if you're with your brothers and sisters, don't push that envelope because you don't know who's had that struggle. Are you listening this morning? That's why this passage to me is it's poetic. It's so beautiful that he doesn't go to legalism. He doesn't go to telling you what you have to think about every issue. He says there's freedom, there's liberty, but don't use your liberty for yourself. It has to be done in love. Love. Love is the fulfillment of the law. So I made a list. Chester is more important than cheeseburgers. And Bill is more important than bacon. Vicky's more important than vodka. Cynthia is more important than cigars. Sherry's more important than shrimp. Herschel's more important than Hershey's chocolate. And Reese is more important than Reese's peanut butter cups. And Wanda's more important than wine. And Wilbur's more important than wings. And Stacy's more important than steak. Edgar's more important than eggs. Patty's more important than pancakes. Carl's more important than carrot cake. Armand is more important than Oreos. Melvin's more important than my musical preferences. Frank is more important than Facebook. And Paul's more important than politics. And Bart's more important than beer. Can I get an amen? It's about loving people. Loving people more than we love our own preferences. So what am I teaching? I'm teaching you as confusing as Paul taught it. There is wonderful liberty in Jesus Christ. And we're all under the blood. And we don't agree about much. But we've got to apply the salve of grace. Love is the fulfillment of the law. I should build others up. Verse 17, the kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and joy. It's not about your Christian liberty. So while we have Christian liberty, it's not all about that. It's about righteousness, peace, and joy. Verse 18, living by loving God and loving people. By doing this, you will be acceptable to both. I love that principle Paul taught. He says, love God with everything you've got. Love people more than you love yourself. And you'll be acceptable to God and people will accept you too. Why? The way of love. The way of love. Verse 19, pursue and promote what builds up one another. That's what we ought to pursue. Don't trip up, build up. Don't trip up others, build up others. I'm not telling you what you do at your own home. I'm not telling you what you do in the privacy. But I'm just saying, when we come together or when you're with brothers and sisters, we give thought. And that thought has to be love and grace. And so we abstain sometimes from all sorts of things. For the sake of our brothers and sisters. Here's one that I don't want you to get wrong because I don't want it to seem selfish, but not only should you build others up, you need to build yourself up. And by that I mean grow. We need to grow to maturity. Maturity is never going to be for the Christian, this is what I like, it's my way, I don't care what you think, nuts to you. That's never going to be mature Christianity. The Bible teaches honor others above yourself. So I should build myself up by humbly, living out my, by humbly living out my convictions. I'm not telling you you can't have convictions. You need to have convictions about what you should do to please God. But humbly live those out. What does that mean? Well, keep between you and God. And everything that is not from faith is sin. I shared some thoughts today, but man, if you don't have that background and if you do not agree and it it, it aches you then you need to be careful not to 
go against your convictions. If it's not a faith, it's, it's a sin. So my personal convictions are not necessarily God's command for all. Welcome back, PD. You just offended half the people in your church. It's hard. But I will stand here and tell you the truth instead of maybe what you want to hear. Because that's my job. And I think that's what Paul taught. So the conclusion is love. Love is the selfless, willing sacrifice for the good of another person, even when they don't deserve it, not expecting anything in return. The conclusion is how to serve Jesus by loving God and loving people. Don't trip others up. Build others up. And at the same time, build up yourself. Grow. Grow. The more you grow, the more you'll probably learn life is not about eating and drinking. Life is more than these things. I'd like to just close. Have my band, if they'd come up, not my band the band that was scheduled today. I'd like for them to come up. We, uh, we do this on Communion Sundays. We always sing the blessings. I pray you would feel blessed today. Again, we never want people to leave angry. If you disagree, I fully understand why you might disagree. But apply the salve of love. <laughs> if you're strongly opinionated today, this message is a great practice for you because... The stronger you feel, the more important it is to apply the salve of grace. Amen.